Welcome to the first episode of VS Demol 2019 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me all the way from Japan is the Canadian who, for New Year, enjoyed being chased around House 10 Bosch by the Yakuza, Logan Saunders. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, and konnichiwa, I should say, seeing as though I'm not exaggerating when I say Logan is in Japan right now. Yeah, I'm doing Around the World in 180 Days. I started, this is day 16 of uh, 180 plus, and I am currently in Kyoto, Japan, where I was told exactly where I am is very weak Wi-Fi. Turns out the Wi-Fi in the supposed very weak area of the hostel is way stronger than the normal Wi-Fi that's supposedly fast at home back in Canada. Whilst Feast Mole has a few podcasts, most importantly, the official one, hosted by Rick himself, we're the most international of the podcasts. We have a Brit, we have a Canadian, and the Canadian is in Japan. And this is not even an English-language show. No. Sometimes they, they, like, they, like, they like to draw some F-bombs in English. Yeah. So this is going to be fun. And there was some Spanish, too, in the episode. I think it was... Neil Spanish wasn't too shabby. So in case you don't know about us, for whatever reason, this is episode 254. You should have listened to us already. I'm Michael. I'm the British one. I'm going to the finale in Amsterdam on the 9th of March, so if you guys are there, I will see you. Logan is not, because he's going to be in Australia. Yeah. And Logan is about the most famous person in his town right now. Outside of Daniel Powder, I am indeed the most famous. Unlike Daniel Powder, Logan has good days, not bad days. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for Daniel Powder, good night means good mornings. And I've been watching Vista Mole for basically forever. I mean, not really, since 2013, but I've watched most of the past, like, ten seasons. I've only got a few spotty areas. Logan was pestered for the best part of five years by me to watch these episodes. He finally watched Vidum 18 and agreed that it's the best season ever. I would say Belgian Mole's a bit better than Vidim 18. Oh, but that premiere. We're not going to talk too much in Vidim spoilers, but we are going to talk a little bit about Vidim 18, seeing as though we got cheated out of covering it last year. Mm-hmm. So as with all Vidim seasons, we open with some sort of obscure film. In this case, it is a woodworking shop creating yokers. Or what look like yokers, what seem to be the big twist of the season, the fact that there are exemptions hidden in some of the yokers. I really wish Joker from Belgian Mole was there to hand him out this year. That was a perfect opportunity for a cross for a crossover between the two franchises. I hope you realise that if I do get my hands on a Joker, I will be wanting to take a picture with Joker at the Belgian finale in, in the <laughs> Jokerception. Yes. <laughs> with an egg yolk. And I mean, this premiere was never going to be as good as last year's one, because last year's one is one of the best episodes of television ever. But I quite like the idea of the Yokers actually having meaning, because I've never been a huge fan of the idea of Yokers, because as I said in Belgian Mole Recaps, if you're relying on Yokers to get you through, you're probably not on the right lines. However, making them actually have a bit of risk and reward is an interesting twist. Because now it's do you gamble your Yokers on there being some sort of extra power in there, and face the chisel. Yeah, it's quite the risk to take, uh, instead of it just being a one-dimensional uh, item that's up for grabs. And also, this is a bit before your time of Vidum watching, but uh, contestants have created their own yokers before. Fake yokers? Like fake hidden immunity idols from Survivor? No real ones. There was a, um, 
a hidden challenge in uh, in the 2017 season where two contestants did create their own yokers and had to do it behind the back of everyone else. Oh, and they were legit, like they counted? Yeah, they were legit. This was uh, during the Oregon Trail bit of the, the season. They had to... Um, had to find the hidden wooden discs around the carts and uh, and brand the discs without anyone noticing. Oh, I see. Like they had to use that stamp on it to yeah. make it count. Oh, okay, so they pretty much did that in Belgium all last year. Yeah, yeah, it was the the similar idea to the uh, the fugitive challenge that that Joker did. What? Well, it really is Jokerception. <laughs> so after we find out about the potentially hidden Vrystellings and. Calling it now, at least one of them will contain a black a black exemption at some point. There's going to be a black exemption hidden in one of those yokers, and they're going to guarantee it gets found, I suspect. And for the viewers uh, out there that don't know what a black exemption is, would you care to explain that, Michael? So it is basically the... Well, it was copied by Survivor last season to do the idle nullifier. It cancels all other exemptions and yokers used on that test, making it a level playing field Bing! and meaning that nobody... <laughs> And meaning that nobody can use anything, and the person with the lowest score will go home. Speaking of Survivor, I find it just mind-boggling that in Dutch reality TV, you can have a Survivor host cross over to be a contestant on the mole. Could you imagine how everyone's reaction in the States if, say, Probst crossed over to the mole in, like, season two or three and Anderson Cooper's hosting? Jeff Probst on as a contestant being hosted by Anderson Cooper himself. Put a pin on that, because we will be coming back to the fact that Evie hosts Expedition Robinson. There is some more information I can give you with that. Given that, spoilers, she's one of my two suspects. A lot of people suspect her. Yeah, I don't know. I think it is because of the fact that the guy she hosts Expedition Robinson with is a former mole. And that may blow your mind, but yeah. The guy she hosts it with is also a mole alumnus. He was the mole in his season. There have been many Vidim contestants appearing on Expedition Robinson. There's been a few like third and second places, I believe. The Hong Kong Philippines season actually had a an entire episode basically filmed around a Survivor parody in the Philippines. There's a lot of cross-pollination, shall we say. For Expedition Robinson in uh, in uh, the Netherlands, do they just pretty much do the exact same format as Survivor, or is it slightly slightly different? Like, is it fan voting that determines who wins? No, or it's still, is it... still the jury, I think. Still I think the, jury? the major difference is that the final two is determined by a challenge. So the final four go into a challenge, and the, the two survivors basically go against the jury. Okay. And that's always one season per year with that as well? As far as I'm aware, yeah. And it's still ongoing? Oh yeah. Not as long-running as uh, as Vidim, but nothing is. So, And apologies going forward for the entire season of any Dutch people listening to this with my pronunciation. I'm going to attempt some Dutch. It won't end well. Mainly, yeah. the, mainly the episode in challenge titles. <laughs> <laughs> so the episode title is uh, Opsleptau, which means in tow, apparently. And if you've watched any Vidim, you'll know that all of the episode titles tend to relate to the mole in some capacity. Which is why I'm going to keep pointing them out. Because as soon as we start working out the connection, that'll be great for us. Was it T-O-W or T-O-E? It's uh, O-P space sleep 
T-O-U-W. Ah. And the first episode is centred around the town of Santa Fe de Antioquia in Colombia. That's pretty much the same region as where I was just a few months ago in Medellin. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we have an interesting situation with the mall locations this year, because you've been to Colombia, I've been to Vietnam. So we basically have reasonable local knowledge of a lot of these locations, which is going to work out very nicely for us. Yes, and I must say, Santa Fe looks a lot like Medellin, except just, you know, a lot smaller <laughs> in area. <laughs> and no metro station. And this is also our first introduction to new host, Rick, who... Rick Van Winkle. Yeah, who is an introduction for you. He's also a mole alumnus, so I am aware of his work. Um, and I kind of... He's not mysterious enough. I think you need to have that mysterious quality as a host, like, uh, who who was the host from Art? Art? Art oh, was the previous host, yeah. Yeah, like he had that somewhat mysterious quality to him. Rick Rick Van Winkle is just way too chipper. He's way too happy all the time. You can't be like Thelma Mole. You have to be like Anderson Cooper or Jills, where there's... Uh, you just gotta have this attitude where you feel like sabotage is in the air with him, it's it's like everything's all rainbows and unicorns. See, it's interesting for me because the one complete season of the last ten that I've not seen is the Iceland Spain one, which is Art's first one. And I watched the premiere a couple of weeks ago. And Art kind of got it immediately. Art was kind of himself straight away. And I don't know whether it's because Rick came over from being a newscaster before being a presenter and he's only done a few shows before this, I believe. But I don't think he's got the right vibe yet. I think he will settle into it. I think you could tell that he had a lot of nerves in the first episode because it is a big show to host and it's a big gamble for them to take on him. And it means a lot to him, too, as a former winner. With Art, I mean, he has no real attachment to the series as much. But when you were somebody... It would be like anybody who won any of the other reality shows and being told, hey, can you can you host it now? That comes with a certain amount of pressure because you want to preserve, uh, you want to preserve the series that you've rep- that you've represented over the past several years. Well, Art is a former winner as well, and actually won the season before his. But that's beside the point. I didn't know that. I learned something today. I kind of didn't want to tell you, but it it works. Um, yeah, I, th- I think Rick is he's trying a little bit too hard to emulate Art for me. And it manifests more towards the end of the episode. He's trying a little bit too hard to become art rather than finding his own niche. Because every every mole host has a different vibe. We are huge fans of Gilles from, uh, from Belgium, obviously, because, you know, best friend of the podcast. But, like, Angela and Carol and Peter Yan and Art all had their own niche and... Weirdly, over the break, I was speaking to a friend of the podcast, Bindles, about this, because obviously he's seen all the mole seasons, and we kind of agreed that they're all they're all themed around spy chiefs, and the sort of M that you see in James Bond every few years when the role changes, of stamping their own personality on it. And I'm not sure Rick's done that yet. And I know it's only one episode, and it's kind of a bit harsh to criticise him already, but he does seem a bit, a bit too softly spoken and a bit too relaxed about it as you said for me at least i wonder if he's almost like trying to stay out of the way 
as a former contestant. Like, he wants them to have their moment, and he wants to be as uninvolved as possible. When really, I mean, as a host, that is a good thing to be like. Don't be like Jeff Probst, where you become the main character and everyone else is just extras around you or just doing whatever you want them to do. But at the same time, I mean, you are a part of the show, and you do sort of have to, you have to contribute something to the overall narrative. Yeah, it it feels a bit harsh to kind of come into this going, boo, Rick, but I don't know. I think he's going to relax into the role slightly more. Yeah, after one episode, you can, yeah, it's. There, I mean, there's been hosts like, for example, Jeff Probst, who said it took him three seasons before he felt comfortable. And it's not like he... I mean, the pressure's off a little bit because, spoilers, season 20's already been confirmed, apparently. I heard that about an hour ago. We've already had a commission for next year. Which is good, because it means that Rick is probably going to stay on and have a, a chance to stamp his authority on it. Do you think they would ever do an all-star for uh, Dutch Mole? Or have they already done it? It's constantly rumoured that they bring back <laughs> old moles. Because I'm thinking, it's it's the Netherlands. A lot of them are still the... around. That's the thing. A lot of them are still quite heavily involved in the fandom. Like at the end of the episode, you'll have seen the, the bit about mole talk with uh, Marguerite and uh, Chris. And a lot of the old moles still from years back pop up on that. I mean, Marguerite is a former mole herself. Like, you see a lot of these old moles, and it would be interesting to see whether the old moles are actually good at picking a mole themselves. Oh, you mean just having an, a season where it's just previous moles competing together? Yeah. There's constant rumours of it being old moles rather than an actual All-Stars just being the best moles ever. And it doesn't have the longest filming schedule either. Like, it's very, very doable. It's only, what, it's less than 20 days, isn't it? Well, this episode did seem longer than most. This was, what, three days, I think, this first episode? Dag 1, Dag 2, Dag 3? I don't think they explicitly said it, but it certainly implied that each assignment took place on a different day. Which is long for a premiere, to be fair, but yeah, I think it's about 23 to 25 days-ish, normally. Yeah, because I know, I, or I know some were even some have been even shorter than that, haven't they? I think so, yeah. I suppose it depends on the, the distance away from Holland, more than anything. Right. That makes, that would make sense. Is it just me? I mean, I guess we're going to get through all the contestants in a second, but I pretty much compare Sinan and uh, Robert to, like, Scully and Hitchcock from uh, <laughs> from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. The two older guys are just sort of there, and I just I just don't really pinpoint an exact moment to either of them. And they're just always constantly mocked by the host and by the rest of the cast, especially for their dancing during the salsa task. Robert was my preseason favourite because he has been described by a lot of people as the Dutch Paul Hollywood, and you won't necessarily have got that reference because it's um, a Great British Bake Off reference. But there's a a guy who does Robert's role on our original version of um, of Bake Off, who looks a lot like him, but about ten years younger, <laughs> and it's startling. But I have a a former mole comparison for him, or a former um, mole contestant comparison, and that is uh, Ellie Lust, who is a police chief. She was in Dutch Hunted after she was on um, Vidim, but she's very much the civilian dumped in with with these 
weirdos, basically, and having to cooperate with them. She's also the proponent of uh, Eta Discipline, or um, Walkie Talkie Discipline, which comes up a lot now. Yes, they are briefly talking about that today. That's where the phrase Eta Discipline comes from. Is uh, is It was Ellie's uh, little catchphrase. Meaning just don't shout over each other constantly during those tasks where communication is key. Yeah, pretty much just, if you have a walkie-talkie, just speak one at a time. <laughs> it's very easy. It's also very easy to sabotage those walkie-talkie tasks. <laughs> Doesn't take too much to derail it, and I definitely think the mole was at work during the challenge. Yeah, which is why they do it. Anyway, talking of challenges, we actually do need to get to some. So, the opening challenge takes place at the Puente de Occidente, and everyone is together unlike last year. I do feel like doing Smash, Smash references and going, everyone is here! And there are 15 chests on ropes hanging from the bridge, and they've got 20 minutes to pull up as many as they can. Inside, 10 of the chests are Vrystellings with nameplates. If everyone gets a Vrystelling, no one can go home. I'm interested to see your theory on this question. Do you think the mole's exemption was in a light or a heavy box? That's what I was just going to ask, too. I would assume... I mean, you can't have it in a light box. It just raises up like a feather. (laughs) I think more than likely the mole's was in the lightest box. Because they have to guarantee in a challenge like that that someone gets an exemption. Do you think it's kind of that they could slant who survives the first episode by making some of the contestants' chests uh, heavier than the others? I saw a theory online that it was to do with how heavy the contestants themselves were. It was proportional to their body weights. Which would explain why four of the five women got the exemptions. Oh, that makes sense. But I'm not sure whether that's correct. That's the thing. This is one of many crazy mole theories that we are going to be discussing in the next ten weeks. I wonder if Roberts was the one that Muriel and Nikki tried to wrap the rope around the iron bar and just just right into the water. It was Meryl and Evie. (laughs) It was amazing. (laughs) That's the first point where... I kind of started believing the people who said pre-season it's going to be heavy just because it'll be hilarious for them to have two moles host Expedition Robinson. <laughs> she had some very sneaky shit in this episode. Let's wrap the rope around it. Oh no! The current took it away. We had no chance. <laughs> I think it's interesting that Rick had the the speech about two-thirds of the way through the episode saying, will the mole go for the exemptions to stop 2,500 euros getting into the pot, or will he just sit back and let everyone else sabotage? And I suspect it's probably the latter. Because, getting a bit Vidim history here, we've not had a female mole in a while. We are very due a female mole. What if it's not a female mole? I mean, I thought it was going to be a female mole last year, because we were due one last year, but if it isn't, then it won't be a surprise necessarily, because I have one male and one female potential anyway, but We're definitely due a female mole. I'll take your word for it. So, the original pairs are Sinan and Niels, Ron Paul and Jamie, Robert and Evelyn, Nikki and Sarah, and Evie and Meryl. And our first contestant introduction is Niels, who's a musician known as Nielsen. And he says the mole should blend in. He looks like... He looks identical. He's like a slightly older version of Ian Terry from Big Brother 14. He is. (laughs) And 
it was it was really weird because on the surface of this episode, I would say that the main breakout star would be Nikki, and you'll probably agree with that because she had some of the best lines. But I think the most screen time went to Niels. He was like the like last year. It was Ru- Ruben. Ruben was the narrator of the whole season, and here we have Niels just coming out really strong out of the gate. So my assumption is that he makes a deep run. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking the same thing. That's one of the reasons he's a suspect for me as well, because a lot of the premiere episode last year was focused around Yan, because, you know, there were only four people you could really focus it on, and they were the four people who failed, and he was the mole. So a lot of the antics of the first episode last year were focused around Yan. A lot of the antics of this episode were focused around Niels. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily anything specific, but he was always the focus of many of the scenes in this episode. So something must revolve around him either very soon, or he's just a very good narrator that the producers can rely on. Like in Dutch Mole, I, I haven't seen too many seasons at all, but do they have... Is it like contemporary Survivor where there's contestants that just go completely invisible for their entire run until their boot episode. I mean, they try not to. They're a lot better than Survivor about filtering the airtime through to people. And you do get the occasional quiet people, but the confessionals do tend to be pretty evenly spread. One thing I will say is that you, you tend to get one character who they then who is the best narrator, and then they do focus a lot of the stuff around them. I mean definitely Nikki's up there this season. It's going to be a a toss-up between Nikki and Niels as to who gets the better confessionals, because she was on fire this episode. Plus, Nikki is the treasurer, which I don't know was the best idea, but let's see. Apparently, uh, a lot of her YouTube blogs are, um, are in English, by the way. Hmm. And she's just one of those just social media star, I guess, just all YouTube followers. No TV appearances? She's only the second YouTuber ever to be on Venom, as well. So after, like, there can't... It's kind of funny, because Venom goes all about with using Dutch celebrities, and they've done it since, what, season five or six? Yeah, five, I want to say. Yeah, it was uh, it was Angler's last season, so it was five. How many more D-list Dutch celebrities can you have? Like, it's kind of funny, like, some of the backgrounds of the people on this season, we have... A guy who was who's who's a televised baker. We have just random hosts of random shows, and somebody and Sinan, who I think may win the award for the most obscure qualification to be a, a celebrity, is that he's a documentary maker and some sort of journalist. Legitimately, occasionally you get a really left field. How the hell did they get them, Joyce? I feel like it's not so much celebrity edition as it's just people who are loosely associated with the entertainment industry. They went through a bit of a tough time a couple of years ago when the prizes started getting quite low because the moles got quite good, where they were struggling to attract the bigger the bigger names to the point where they actually ended up doing a final challenge a couple of years ago where someone could double the pot if they won. Oh, because the celebrities didn't want to play for a less, like a small amount of money. Yeah, the the lowest it's ever got is about ten and a half thousand euros. Which for a month and for the these contestants who have slightly higher paying jobs than most, I can see not wanting to book a month off of work to win at most ten grand, especially in the Netherlands where 
they probably live within Amsterdam and living ex- expenses are ridiculously high. <laughs> so yeah, they they were struggling to attract the the bigger names, but they're actually they're on a bit of an upswing in terms of the bigger names. Last year's ones were very good in terms of some of the names they got. But it, it's more about the personality with them all than than anything they're famous for, I think. As long as you have a good mix of people, it doesn't really matter who's on there. I mean, we've already got our Scully and Hitchcock. I mean, that's that's a good start right there. Simon and Robert are never going to be main characters or narrators. <laughs> and our second introduction is to another of my favourite of, uh, of this cast already, in Rick Fall, who is an actor and improviser, and he wants to listen to his gut. He couldn't be more blonde if he tried. <laughs> I've never seen anybody with just th- that's that blonde before. I didn't know it was possible. I know you were probably avoiding social media because you knew me and Ben would be talking constantly about Vidim this weekend, but you have to have seen that screen cap I got. It made me laugh so much, and it is almost certainly going to be the banner of this episode of Rick Paul pulling up a uh, one of the chests, and it looks like he's doing something filthy, and it made me giggle. Yeah, because <laughs> he just exaggerates every action. Yeah, he has some very good facial reactions. Mm-hmm. Well, he, when he, he was even diving into making... He was making a huge deal out of making an alliance right away. Yeah. <laughs> Which, to be fair, does usually serve people quite well. Especially if he works in improv. Like, that's all it is, is facial expressions. That's how you get paid. You have to have... if You can't be just neutral or be like Steinan and Robert and be emotionless. You have to have really big enthusiasm and energy... Which is why probably improv actors may be the way to go in the future. On my my power list for this season, he's probably sort of upper middle. I've kind of tried to guess where where people are going to drop off. And you think he's an endgamer? I think he's kind of a very late boot. Because they did focus on him a lot as well. And, the, yeah, and they're framing him for his, for his antics, absolutely. He definitely stands out from the rest uh, so far, him and, him and Nikki. And Jamie ends up getting one of the chests alone, and then we see Evie have a bit of trouble with the rope before her and Beryl manage to blunder their way through dropping one. How much do you think the contestants were trying to pretend that the chest was heavier than it actually was? Oh no, I think those were legitimately heavy chests. Or rather, I should phrase it another way, who wasn't who wasn't literally pulling their own weight? <laughs> I'm not sure. I think the mole is probably going to be a bit more... Subtle this year. Just because Yan's sabotages were so... Uh... Yeah, he was very out there. And yet he still barely got suspected. I know, that's the annoying thing. He was such a good mole that he barely got suspected until towards the end. Which is really annoying, because I was onto him in week one. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody, not mentioning any names, David Bendley, talked me out of it. Yeah, it's glad I, I, I stuck to suspecting Yan into the finale. And then we learn about Nikki, who is a beauty YouTuber, and she's very excited to be there. And let's hope she does better than the last YouTuber to appear on uh, the show, who got ninth. Yeah, let's let's let's. Uh, she doesn't. The bar is set. I think she, I think she can surpass the bar, unless the exemption saved her. In which case, bye bye, Nikki. And at the end of the challenge, they get 7 of 15 chests, and 4 of them do contain Vrystellings, but Rick won't tell you who for. And he offers them a trade, the 4 Vrystellings, for 2,500 euros. And they got till the execution to decide. 
and because nobody is confident as to whether or not they're they've done well on the quiz, apps very few people agree to this. Yeah, what would your strategy have been? In order, in terms of how I would vote? Yeah, would you have wanted the cash or the exemption? I feel like I would be strong enough to not be executed first, so I'd probably say just exchange the exemption for the cash, because A, there's more money in the pot, and B, I want to see... I want to see everyone at risk at the in the first round. I think if you're the mole, you want to keep as many people there as possible. Yeah, because then you can blend in more. And then once you have the whole, oh, everyone goes, you know, one person got saved by the exemption, and then everybody within that four is probably going to reconsider their suspect list, especially if one of the four is actually on to who the real mole is. And then... Just everyone, and then it's just a big scramble for the next execution. I think if you're production, you obviously want this to be a non-elimination episode because you get to keep all ten people there as long as possible and get more personalities in there. More interactions. If you're a player in the game, you probably want the cash. Yes. Because it increases your chance of winning. And also it then moves the inevitable non-elimination episode to later in the series. But I guess if everyone has an equal amount of... uh lack of self-confidence into how well they can uh, shoot fish in a barrel in the first first execution then yeah i guess you're not going to you're not going to vote to uh, exchange the exemption for the cash the other element to it of course is the fact that the first one is the only one you can guarantee there will be no yokers or rystellings played on unless you know about them so you're saying if they were to delay the non-elimination round, that there's going to be so many twists, and you may just be going home just because you didn't have a yoker or an exemption in your pocket. Exactly. That's that's a good way of looking at it, too. I would always be wary of being part of a first episode non-elimination, if I were a player, purely because it's the one where you've actually got the most control in terms of twists. Right. And, as you said, Rick Paul suggests a Bonchia with Niels, and Jamie suggests one with Meryl. I think Jamie wanted more more than a coalition with Meryl, by the looks <laughs> of it. That was way too much eye contact. Jamie does seem like a massive flirt. I was thinking this during the episode, that he seems like he enjoys flirting with everyone. Did you see how much he was, like, flexing when he was pulling up the chest? Like, Jamie, we need your help. And he's like, oh, I know, I'm so strong. Oh, look at these biceps work to pull these chests up. Sorry, Robert, I can't help you yet. <laughs> Jamie is a poser. <laughs> if we had the burn book challenge, he would definitely be voted a poser. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to have an alliance with all the really attractive women in this cast. And nothing makes a better, better first impression than me being so strong and manly and masculine that I can pull up all of these chests out of a remote Colombian river. Because just put out, we're 40 minutes into recording this. I've not even a page in my notes, and we've got three pages to get through here. <laughs> Look at the way I move my hips when I do the salsa dancing. So the next morning, they do wake up to a salsa performance in the square in the town, and... It is another challenge, surprisingly. And Evie is very excited. All they have to do is pay attention to the salsa performance when it is performed a second time. Little do they know that they're going to get kidnapped during the second attempt and paired off with dancers. And all they've got to do to earn the potential thousand euros in this challenge is remember who they're dancing with. 
I like that they do like the odd once every other episode have an more easy fun challenge. Like they were all stressing out thinking, oh, we've got to pay attention to how many how many babies there are watching the dances, how many couples, how many people wearing red and blue shirts. And then it turns out, no, you just got to recognize the partner that you were dancing with, which is the easiest option that was on the table. And the funniest part is it was an option that none of them considered because they thought that was too easy. I mean, it was interesting for me because they were talking about focusing on who was wearing blue, who was wearing black. None of them were wearing black. I'm slightly colorblind, and that was dark blue. 100%. It was a navy, at best. That would have been a mean challenge. Who was wearing light blue and who was wearing navy blue? (laughs) And during this challenge, we do get my quote of the episode, which is obviously from Nikki, saying, Welcome to the most embarrassing moment in 19 seasons of Viestamol, Nikki dancing with a far too short man. You know what's funny is that the joke I always had about Colombians when I was in Colombia is how short they are, and the thing about Dutch people is how tall they are, so you have this, this an exceptionally tall Dutch woman dance with a really short Colombian dude. It's like, yeah, that matches up with long-standing stereotypes. I mean... Whoever was the comedian in production who thought, I know who we compare Nikki, by far the tallest woman with. Let's pair her up with Spanish Mini-Me. And, and paired her up with basically Spanish Tahadi's soulmate from season two of The Good Place. Like, <laughs> tip your cap. That was an amazing choice. <laughs> the, the next year, they just need to... Uh... Just need to have the contestant on stilts when they do this challenge again. This was ridiculous. <laughs> I I just don't know what came through someone's head to go, hmm, really tall woman, let's find the shortest male dancer possible. He like he probably had like they always you know, the male dancers always have to put the hands on the fe- on the female dancer's hips. He probably had to jump up each time just to hang on like if you pan down his feet were probably slightly off the ground but the best part of this is the fact that they would have still had to have a briefing with the short dancer and say yeah you're going right for the very very tall lady (laughs) mucho grande (laughs) here's some platform shoes to give you a chance i i wonder how that conversation went with the colombian guy of just going yeah we know you're really small Let's add some comedy to this challenge. He's probably like, actually, that works out well for me, because then I have an excuse if I don't quite reach her hips. (laughs) Hashtag me too. And at this point, we also learn that Meryl is a journalist with RTL, and she could be the mole because she handles pressure and stress well, but she would be uncomfortable in the role. And Sinan is a documentary filmmaker and wants to mess with everyone. Yeah, like, what, what was his, like... What what show does he think he's on? He's like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna wreck all these people. I'm gonna make them miserable. I'm gonna make it hell for them. I'm thinking, this is Dutch Mole. They stay in five star hotels and they have a filming schedule of only two and a half weeks, so they don't really get that exhaustion. Like, well, how how is he gonna make their lives miserable? They're all on vacation. Maybe he's gonna burn their socks. Yeah, he's gonna burn their socks. He's gonna dump water out of their canteens. Like, what the hell? What? What? what how can he? How can he wreck them? Give them food poisoning? Like, what is he gonna do? I mean, the the fact of the matter is, he wants to be the Dutch Russell Hans, 
but what he's actually going to be is the Dutch Wreck-It Ralph. I think he's just going to be gone early. I can't see him lasting. Yeah, he, he is an early boot choice for me as well. I've not got an official list, but he definitely stinks of an early boot for me. Because I just can't understand what his story's going to be. He's a documentary maker. You think if anyone can tell a story, it's him. He was about the only person who said right at the start of the test that he didn't want the exemption because he wanted to see if he was right. That's not necessarily a good idea if you know there's exemptions around. And I know I'm a proponent of you shouldn't be relying on exemptions or yokers to get yourself through, but if you know that nearly half of the team is going to be safe, maybe root for yourself a little. (laughs) No, I want to give myself a one in three shot of being executed. (laughs) Imagine if nine of the ten chests were picked up and he's like, I really hope I don't have that exception. I want to see if I was not right. He just grabs the rope and then just drops it and goes, eh, it's mine anyway. Even see, Or he picks up the chest, sees the name inside, or sees the disc inside with his name on, just chucks it into the river. Eh, everyone else can keep theirs. I want to see if I was right. I want to put myself at risk. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. That's what makes it even funnier with this whole "I'm gonna make everyone miserable" strategy. I'm gonna make everyone miserable by making them all safe for the first round. I'm not gonna get them to exchange their exemptions. I want them to be safe and secure. How could you be more miserable than staying in a luxury resort for three more days? And after the second dance has been completed, all the dancers come back and everyone has one minute to try and find their dancer. I'm gonna make everyone I'm gonna make Nikki miserable by making her have to dance with another short dude in the next round. If Sinan lasts, is this just gonna be a recurring joke of him in the back just basically being dick dastardly from wacky races, just trying to meddle with people? <laughs> I know how your brain works. You're just going to run with this, and I know you are. (laughs) Well, I don't know what other material to have for signing. And a close runner-up for my favourite quote of the the episode was one of the girls complaining that all the guys look the same. Nikki said that. They all look alike. Yeah, and then they just cut over to Colombian Frankie Grande in the front row. (laughs) It's like, he kind of stands out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just grinning his little yeah. face off yeah it's like I know <laughs> I know a lot of Dutch people look similar but those co- I mean I'm sure they can tell the difference between some of those Colombian dancers <laughs> especially the one that's only four feet tall and then the guy with the crazy wave in his hair and then the person that had the Frankie Grande <laughs> an impression and that extra bit of flair <laughs> they all look the same i can't tell them apart there's one guy who has blue eyes and is wearing glasses and a guy who has brown eyes and whose hair is really long i can't tell the difference and there's that 400 pound sumo wrestler in the back who is dancing with us <laughs> and in a shocking turn of events they get everything correct it's like the dancers didn't look the same It's almost like they were human beings. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're not the Olsen twins for crying out loud. And now now we come to a fun bit, because I'm not sure how much of this you may have noticed last year when you were watching Venom, but 
Vidim now loves to do custom notes, usually featuring the participants. So I was trying to work out who was on the thousand euro bill, and I can't for the life of me work out who it was. I didn't even notice. Yeah, it looks more like Rick than anyone, but it isn't. It's just his face on every euro they collect. They've done stranger things before. At a certain point, they swapped from real money, probably when it started getting burned all the time, to creating their own currency that is the equivalent of euros, basically. And they do tend to put everyone's faces on one of the bills. But they have used it as a clue before. They obviously aren't going to do this year, but on the back of the notes in one of the seasons was a pixelated picture of the mole if you collected enough of the bills. Hmm. Maybe they use their own currency because if there's any more economic downturn within the eurozone, that the mole currency will actually be worth more than the euro. Quite possibly. And it's at this point that we learn that Sarah is an actress and she goes for details and differences. Jamie's a TV presenter and he's the first of two people to describe the show as a Russian roulette at first and there is no set formula to win. Who is, that was Jamie who said that, right? Yeah, it was, it was Jamie in his intro and then Robert at the execution. Russian roulette was used twice. Hmm. And once is suspicious, twice is a pattern. And I don't know whether I'm just going down the rabbit hole here by going, oh, this could be a clue, but... A Russian mole. Is somebody secretly Russian? Yeah, it's just something to sort of park in the back of my mind to come back to eventually. And Robert is the Dutch Paul Hollywood, as I said, and he deals with lots of people on a daily basis and can usually tell if people lie to him. Good luck with that on the mole. Yeah. And Evie says that she wants to stay in as long as possible because only four people, Sinan, Rick Paul, Sarah and Niels, go for the cash rather than the exemptions in their first non-binding vote. Interesting. And uh, on day three, they meet Rick outside of a church, and Nikki sees bikes, and Nikki hates bikes. We, ha- I have that in common with Nikki. And in the final assignment of the episode, there are five envelopes around the town with up to 1,800 euros in them, and they each have a tablet strapped to the back of a bike, which will give them instructions as to who needs to collect the envelopes, where they need to be, and at what time. And one person has a tablet on the handlebars, and that person is the only one with the clock. If they stop or slow down too much, the tablets will lose power. Yeah, Rick very clearly says if the bike stops, then you don't get any more messages. And they have half an hour from 11 o'clock in the morning. And Evelyn is the one with the clock, and she's a presenter and believes that a good mole has a little bit of a devil and a little bit of an angel within themselves and can balance it. If, the, if Peter was on this season from Belgian Mole, we would think he's the mole once again. Holy moly. <laughs> it is really weird for me to think that actually we've not done a recap episode of this podcast since May. The last episode we did was the one where we discussed the fact that Peter has the same map on the wall as me. Yeah, the holy, the holy Bible for travellers. And... Evie, Merrill, and Jamie are the first ones to get an assignment, and they must go to the Jinka Church at quarter past eleven. And Evie decides to take off, which to me is quite suspicious. And then Sarah, Sinan, and Robert have to go to the Jesus Church for eleven twenty. Isn't all churches a Jesus Church? I thought that it's a specific Jesus Church. Jesus. And Nikki, Rick, Paul, and Niels have to go to the Santa Barbara Church for eleven twenty. And this challenge is a mess. No one gets it at all. 
as Nikki fully admits at the end of the challenge, nobody gets it. It's complete potluck whether they get any cash. <laughs> there was terrible communication on this task. If I was the mole, I wouldn't be too obvious and be the one constantly shouting into the walkie-talkies, but I'd be throwing out little ideas here and there that would detract everybody. Nobody had any ATA discipline. <laughs> Ellie Lust would have been screaming at home. <laughs> I like how Nikki collected that envelope just by pure coincidence. Like, I can't tell if that was suspicious where she just wanted to play that little joke because she knew what was in that envelope, or if it's just like, hey, shiny envelope, let's open it. Oh, I guess we won money, even though I played this completely the wrong way and didn't think about anything at all. And because it's not time yet, Evie and Sarah, who has for some reason joined Evie, um, do laps of the Chinka Church car park on their bikes. <laughs> Do you think we could be in the Tour de France? I don't know. Let's keep practicing. And Evie does grab the envelope for herself, Jamie and Merrill, and it contains 300 euros. And then they must go to the Carmen Church for 1125. I can't tell which country's more Catholic y. Uh, Mexico from the Belgian Mole last year, or Colombia from Dutch Mole this year, because so far, Colombia's putting up a really good fight in the Catholicism department. I would say Mexico, personally. I think Mexico is more traditional Catholic than uh, than Colombia, at least from my limited experience. And as you said, Nikki does swipe the Santa Barbara one as they ride past, and inexplicably, because all three people were actually there in that convoy, they do claim the 300 euros. <laughs> it has to be one of the luckiest euro earnings I've, I've ever seen on the mole. Where there's no strategy, no intention whatsoever. It's just, hey, we just stumbled upon this envelope. Should have waited to even f- figure out if we were supposed to open it or not. Or not opened it anyway, and it works out for them. And Niels, Robert, Sinan, Rick, Paul, Sarah, and Nikki have to go to the Carmen Church for eleven thirty. You know what would have been really suspicious if if I was if the person who was the mole sees Nikki is about to win the 300 euros in the envelope and quickly, like, pedals away in the other direction. Like, nope. You could have had that, but no. <laughs> yeah, like, gee, I wonder who the mole is. Was the person who had no idea whose names were going to be in that envelope and pedaled away on us within half a second? And due to the lack of tablet power, they actually discover that it's already half 11 and they've lost. Yeah, they they didn't they didn't even pay attention that they weren't allowed to stop or slow down for even a second. And yeah, they get three hundred euros of a possible eighteen hundred, and Nikki is the treasurer, and it's time for the test and potential execution. Mm-hmm. The noose is very loose. The noose is loose. And going back to my point about Rick feeling like he's just trying a little bit too hard to be art, he does exactly the same speech. And I know that may not seem like a really weird thing, but when you get a new mole host, they do rewrite the test and execution speech. Except the mole, who is always safe, who never goes home. But Rick still does the behalf of the mole bit, and it just, it feels like he's just trying to be art a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether that's a conscious choice or not. And there are seven votes for the exemptions, and only three for the cash, meaning that the first episode does end at €1,300 euros out of a possible 5,300. Not the worst, shall we? No. And to be fair, we don't really get that much information in the who suspects who bit. It's Neil spreading 
Evelyn spreading equally on four people. Meryl suspecting Evie because they have conversations, but there's not a lot there. Jamie suspects Rick Paul as he has a bit of a dual personality. If anybody was spreading, I would expect it to be Jamie. Here we go. Robert says that it's Russian roulette and he spreads on three or four people. Nikki wants to know if she's right, so doesn't want the exemption. And she spreads on Evie, Niels, and Evelyn. Sarah has six people in mind, but spreads on four. Rick Paul spreads, and Evie has no idea. I think this quiz, if there was no exemptions involved, would have come down to a tie. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> and Sinan says he doesn't want an exemption. He has three suspects, Evelyn, Nikki, and Sarah. And he wants one of them to leave. And this goes back to my theory of Sinan being a complete moron. Because if you want one of your suspects to leave, that means that you've wasted questions on your test. By suspecting people that you think are going to go home. Yeah, exactly. Because you're just putting yourself in danger. And if you deliberately put yourself in danger, you're no closer to find out who them all is. So, CNN, Jamie, and one of the people that were exempt this episode are probably going to be our first three executions. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to ask that question in a minute of who you think out of the exempt people's going, but we'll get there. Uh, so, Niels gets a green screen, Evelyn and Merrill are both exempt, Jamie and Robert both get green, Nikki is exempt, Sarah and Rick Paul get a green screen, Evie is exempt, and Sinan is the last to see his screen but it is green, which means everyone gets to go through to the next episode. Unfortunately, Sinan goes to through to the next episode. And in a slightly lax bit of editing, I love the cliffhangers at the the executions of the music building and then it being green or red. But they actually kept in how they do that this episode. Because when Sinan gets his green screen, you can see Rick press enter before he gets the green screen. Yeah. Which they've never shown before that I've noticed. It's a clue, somehow. I don't know how, but it's a clue. And that does mean that one of Evelyn, Merrill, Nikki, or Evie had the lowest score on the test. So, Mr. Saunders, which one? Because we'll find out at, well, I'll find out at the live finale, but you guys will find out when you watch the uh, subtitled version. I think Evelyn seemed like the type who would go home first. Usually... The trend overall in the mall is older ladies go home early. Especially older ladies with scraggly hair. I think Evelyn probably will change her tact next time. Do you think all four of them will change? I'm not sure. If you were told you had a 25% chance of being of being the one who was going to be executed out of out of a group of 10 people that were all that all got green screens. But there's a 25% chance you had the lowest score in a big group. Would you be wanting to swap out one of the people that you spread between? I don't think Nikki will, because she said that she wants to find out whether her suspicion is correct. So I think she will still split on those three. Which, if she's splitting on those three, her suspicions line up with mine, so it'll be interesting. I think the other three ladies maybe will reconsider slightly, assuming Evie isn't the mole, of course. Right given that she is the only person who didn't even say she was spreading, she just said she had no idea. <laughs> so, next time, there is a classic mole laser labyrinth, we find out the cost of a yoker, and the hidden Vrystellings are revealed. The cost of a yoker, you mean 
in Dutch Mole, I, I guess leave it leave it up to the Dutch to you know they were the last country to one of the last countries to uh, abolish slavery. I guess bring it back by seeing how much you can buy for yoker. Here we go. <laughs> I had to make that joke or yoke. So, Senor Saunders, who's on your suspect list? Um, primero candidato es Eddie. Yeah, bearing in mind that you have a much better record on Venom than I do. I have it, well, I kind of followed, once I heard about the whole Expedition and Robinson connection, I did put Evie high up there, but if, but without hearing about Evie's connection, uh, Rick, Paul, and Sarah are my uh, two, uh, are my two other suspects. Because Sarah was very... I feel like we're going to have a more, as you said, Michael, we're probably going to have a more subtle mole this year. And I feel like the way to sabotage the walkie-talkie task was to not be terribly useful at all. And Sarah was not very useful in that task, but she wasn't out there as one of the ones that was yelling into the walkie-talkie constantly. And she also didn't do too well with bringing up those uh, those chests. So I'm currently suspecting Sarah and Rick Paul, I feel like with the improv background and stuff and his over-the-top reactions that I think he's a guy who, if it's not a subtle mole, I feel like he's one of those guys like Yan who could get away with some of the sabotages and just play it off as it being his true personality. See, I have a dilemma because whilst we've, uh. been, whilst we've been recording this, the great Dan Peake has actually published his suspect list, which I will be playing every week. On uh, on Bother's Bar. Suspect list of who you suspect's on the mole each week. I have a reasonable legacy on the suspect list. My first year, I came dead last because I completely did not suspect the mole in any week. My second year, I came top ten. Third year, top five. Fourth year, second, by a bullshit twist. Last year, I came fourth. And I'm stuck between two people. I'm stuck between Evie and Niels. Niels? Yeah. Ian Terry. There has to be a reason that he got so much focus. And whether that's him winning, or whether that's him maybe being a mole. I'm just thinking he's narrator. Yeah, and there's also maybe a hint that someone spotted. In that the official Vidim page released bio, like brief Twitter bios of everyone. And there's three paragraphs, and the initials of Niels's one spelt out M-O-L. And whether that's a coincidence, or whether he's just a massive fan and did it to troll people, as I maybe suspect, I don't know. But I need to bring it to the table, just in case it actually is a real clue. Okay. Okay. I, I think it's wrong, but okay. <laughs> would you like to compete against me in the suspect list? Because I'll send you the link if you do. Uh, yes, I would, actually. I think I forgot to do it last year. So yes, I would like to compete this year. And if you do want to, I will... I will put the message uh, everywhere for what the suspect link uh, list link is, because, you know, the more the merrier. More people to beat me, let's be honest. So what are your predictions for next week? There's going to be Yokers. Yeah, who's going to go home first? Who's gonna, I mean, Sinan somehow didn't go home without the exemption, so I guess he's safe for one round. I think older lady with scraggly hair, Evelyn, is going to go home. She was also in charge of, charge of the clock, and she was not very savvy with it. 
and keeping like she should have been the leader of that task if she has the clock and i feel like everyone else might be slightly one step ahead of her i think or two or two bike lengths ahead of her was the case i think it will be either i'm going to hedge my bets Sinan or sarah because Sinan is obviously being set up for a downfall and occasionally this means that he gets fourth Mm, seen in fourth, I I don't think it'll be seeing him for too long. This has happened in the past where the complete dickhead of the season gets fourth. Um, and Sarah we just didn't see much of. And I know you suspects her and it'll be hilarious if one of your suspects goes first week, but we just didn't see much of her. And I feel like she maybe is going to be a forgettable early boot. Like how in uh, Vidim, Vidim Chapana we had Hind where... I was thinking, wow, she's really invisible for three episodes. And in the fourth episode, she became super visible in the first half. And I was thinking, oh, she's got to be executed because what's with the sudden surge in airtime? And sure enough, she was. You think it's going to be a case of that? Yeah, I, I just have a a gut feeling that Sarah's probably going to be an early boot, as is Sinan. Because Sinan is way too cocky for his own good. And I say this as someone who is way too cocky for his own good, as the lovely people of Britain found out in September. But <laughs> he's just far too blinkered on playing the game to quote Probst and not mm-hmm. finding them all for me. And I I sadly think that Nikki's going to be a bright star who burns quickly. And that does mean that if she goes and sticks with the same suspects, I'm really badly wrong. But she got a massive amount of quotes and that's because she's very entertaining. And occasionally we're very lucky and get these people to the end see Alte last year. But I'm not 100% whether this is going to be one of them situations. Is Nikki probably the one person that we don't suspect at all of being the mole? Yeah, Nikki's my bottom suspect. Because she's far too funny to be the mole. <laughs> and I really don't have really any notes on, let's see, some of the other people. Robert? Um, Robert, I Meryl. think, is going to be a mid-boot. I think Robert will be around for a few episodes, but not loads. And Meryl really only had, like, what, that one alliance scene with, uh... Wasn't she... Wasn't she form an alliance with somebody? With Jamie, yeah. I think Jamie will be a late end gamer and go late on. I think Niels is probably around to the end in some capacity. I think Heavy's probably around to the end in some capacity. I would love Nikki to be around to the end, but I'm not 100%. Um... Robert's a mid-tier one. Sarah's going to be early. Sinan's going to be early. Rick Paul, I think, is going to be around till towards the end. Who else am I forgetting? Meryl. Meryl's going to be mid-ish. And we're judging all this based off of one episode. Yeah. And <laughs> anyone who listened to our Belgian Mall coverage last year will know that we have a horrific legacy on this, especially me. So take everything I say with a mountain of salt. <laughs> Amount cyanine of salt. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea how to pronounce his name. Sinan. Sinan, <laughs> okay. I make a big point when we, do, when we don't do English shows of making sure I can pronounce everything in the show. <laughs> I, can do, I, can do the, I can do the Spanish translation. You can be our Spanish correspondent. And the Dutch word I learned this week is that church is Kirk. Kirka, yeah. Kirka. Suck my curtain. So is there anything else to say? Logan, it's half twelve. I've got to be up in five and a half hours. All right. Please stop talking about if you're sucking your curtain. Sign it. Uh, can suck my curtain. <laughs>
Have you got anything else to say? (laughs) Please, no. Nothing worthwhile. Good. (laughs) So, thank you for listening to this VSML podcast. We will be back next week for more mole hunting. If you are going to be watching Hunted UK as well, we'll be back at the weekend for that. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, our own Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, Logs for Quacky for Logan. See you next time. Peace out and just chill till the next of flavoring. Yeah.